You're listening to the Crosscheck NHL Show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. Hi, and welcome to the Crosscheck NHL Show. I'm Andrew Berkshire, NHL analyst with the Montreal Gazette, and I'm here with Mary Clark, contributor and writer for For the Win. We're here, and we're brought to you today by Locked On NHL. You need more hockey news. And Locked On NHL is here to fill the gap. It's our daily podcast with everything happening in the league. Subscribe and listen each day for a quick look for the biggest stories and game recaps. uh, Subscribe to Locked On NHL today, wherever you get your podcasts. So we've got an exciting show for you today on the Crosscheck NHL show. We've got uh, some talk about the NHL finally getting around to it and uh, putting ads on jerseys after, you know, kind of pushing the idea that they're going to do it for, Jesus, been close to a decade now. And uh, then we've got interviews with Robin Liano from Locked On Coyotes and Ross Levitan and Brandon Piller from Locked On Senators as we continue our cross-check summer crossover. And uh, But before we get into the hockey, uh, Mary, how you doing? I'm good. Uh, really not much has happened uh, since we last spoke. Uh, just had me, you know, a couple of days off from... Uh, my other job at for the win. Uh, I went to the DMV yesterday with my mom to update my license because I used to live in Chicago with a previous job, and then I lost that job because of the pandemic. And right before the pandemic, I had gotten I updated my driver's license to be an Illinois driver's license because I was like, I'm gonna live here for a while. I don't need a Pennsylvania one. I should update it. I updated it. Then the pandemic hit. And then I lost my job, and then I moved back home. So I was like, I need to get my Pennsylvania driver's license. So my mom and I finally went yesterday, and the line was super long, but it actually, like, and I was, like, facing, I thought we were going to be facing down, like, hours long wait at the DMV. But no, actually, we were in and out in, like, in an hour, which was wild to me. They had a very fast, efficient system. So I'm sorry for trashing the DMV at first on Twitter, but it still sucks. The DMV is still not a very fun place, but I'm very happy that, you know, I was able to do that without that much pain because it looks like it was going to be a miserable day yesterday morning. Yeah, I've had various, uh, like, very diametrically opposed experiences with the Canadian equivalent of the DMV where it's different in each province. But when I went in Alberta, when I initially got my license and when I had to renew my license there, absolutely brutal. Like, three-hour wait times, ridiculous. And in Quebec, it was like in and out nothing. And you can tell which province spends a lot more on their civil service. It's Quebec. Mm-hmm. So those higher taxes that we pay go somewhere useful. And it's uh, very obvious whenever you have to deal with the government. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm glad that it wasn't too painful for you. Um, losing jobs during the pandemic is a very relatable thing. I think we both, uh, we vibe yeah. on that, you and I. It's not <laughs> the most pleasant thing. But uh, well, I think we've, uh, I think we've, you know, we've come out, uh, well, not the other side because the pandemic isn't over. But you yes, know, we've we've you know we've recovered somewhat. Yeah, we've recovered somewhat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we got this podcast at least. So yes, that, there's so, that's something. It's like that uh, the the Bill Murray meme. I think it's from Caddyshack. Well, I've got that going for me, which is nice. <laughs> but yep, uh, exactly. Yeah. So the NHL is putting ads on jerseys. Um, this is something that I thought was going to happen actually a long time ago when they started uh, penalizing players for tucking in their jersey. That was, to me, a very blatant, we want the whole jersey to be visible because we're going to put something on there move. And I'm I'm surprised it's taken this long, but at the same time, it's been nice that it's taken this long. Um, There was a lot of hubbub about them putting ads on helmets last year. I think everyone 
in the end came around to it because they aren't very invasive. You don't even see them for the most part on the broadcast. And it was understandable during the pandemic that the NHL want, wanted to recoup some level of money that they had lost through lack of attendance uh, or attendance being unavailable, essentially. And, you know, concessions like they lost a lot of money last year. Obviously, all sports leagues did. But yeah. this now, I think, is one of those things where I wonder if it's you give a mouse a cookie, right? That old story. And all mm -hmm. of a sudden, that creeping starts to happen. And there, it's a small advertisement. It's three inches by 3.5 inches, a patch, which is slightly bigger than what the NBA is allowed, apparently. So it's it's not that big. You're probably not going to notice it on broadcasts. Um, I've seen conflicting reports about whether or not you can buy jerseys without the advertising patch, but it is easy enough to just get a thread cutter or a de-threader and just take a patch off if you buy a jersey. Uh, I think that is something that people should consider if they're getting upset and won't buy a jersey over it. But I understand the negativity around this one because there is a creep of advertisement. And I, I read an article by a good friend of mine who's just started writing again, who used to be relatively prolific, Ellen Etchingham. Uh, who goes by theory of ice and underscore each un between each word on Twitter. And she's writing for her own blog where uh, it's chaotic neutral zone.com. And you can do uh, like a slash on dash advertising dash to look at her column that she wrote on this. She's been in Taiwan for the last few years. Uh, so she writes about it, like her feelings on advertising and being uh, not rooted necessarily in traditionalism, but in, the overbearing amount of advertising already in the game and how it distracts from the game. And I don't fully agree with her in everything, but I think she raises a lot of really good points about the way that advertising is trending and that there's been no time in human history where advertising stops moving forward, right? Like we're not going to get less all of a sudden. They're not going to take ads off the boards because they're projecting them on the glass. They're just going to do both. So it becomes a situation where like, oh, yes, we trust the NHL to not get to the point of like Swiss hockey where there's an ad all over the place. But do we actually trust the NHL? I think I hate to say that we can trust the NHL here, but I think we can trust the NHL here because the NHL, as you know, is filled with an old boys club that loves the sanctity of the game. And I think for them, that might be a step too far. Do they love it more than money? Hmm. Ooh, that's a good point. I still think that their sanctity of the game might rule over in that instance. I think this might be the middle ground that they were looking for. It's, you know, not intrusive. Uh, it's basically just like the helmet ads. I mean, obviously a little bit bigger. Um, but like you said, like all the points you mentioned, I think we're going to, you know, be like, ooh, look at all these jersey ads. Like, look, look at these jersey ads. And then like a few weeks into the season when they, you know, pop up in the 2022-23, I think we're going to forget about it. But I think that that's a good middle ground for the, like, for, like, you know, the owners and stuff like that. But I don't think they'll go anymore because I think that they really are about the sanctity of the game, you know, how the game used to be. We've talked about this, like, it feels like every week we talk about, you know, this old boys club and what they, what they like and what they don't like. And while they may want money, I think that their, you know, sense of preserving the game as they believe it to be will keep them from doing that and like putting ads like all around the ice too and like because we have ads on the ice but it's not like like in Europe where they have ads like in the circles and stuff like that I think I think that there will be a good middle like a middle ground here just because I don't think the owners will want to go that far 
but this is a at least a you know a toe over getting to like to get more money and i i can understand it obviously we you know we've been thinking that this was going to go this way for some time now and also you make a good point about the if you give a mouse a cookie we people had been calling this for a while now as soon as they were like we'll allow ads on helmets people had really had thought that you know jerseys were next and to me, it's not a big deal because, like like you said, if you buy a jersey and it has an ad on it, you can just, you know, use a thread, like a seam ripper or whatever they're called. Yeah, and... that's the correct name, seam ripper. That's, okay, good. that's the correct name. I'm glad my I couldn't sister's... find it in my head. I'm glad my sister's penchant for sewing uh, has paid off in some form of me absorbing knowledge by osmosis. But <laughs> the point stands here is that you can take a seam ripper and just take it off. They're really not difficult to do. Uh, I really don't have a problem with that because I don't really buy hockey jerseys that much, uh, mostly because they're a major investment for a thing I'm not going to wear around all the time unless I go to a hockey game. And usually when I go to hockey games, it's usually to report. So I actually don't own a lot of hockey jerseys. I own a Penn State hockey jersey, but that is just a blank jersey because I liked the jersey and I went there for college. But yeah, I I don't know. I can see why fans are mad, but I can't get too upset about this because it is not going to negatively impact my enjoyment of the game though it does suck because they are going to get more like nhl teams are going to get more money but will it be going to the you know the people that need it or just right to the owners so yeah and this is where i'm like on this specific move i agree with you in that this isn't going to bother me uh this kind of ad is not going to be like intrusive to my hockey watching experience but there already is like there already are advertisements that are intrusive to my hockey watching experience. Like we, we talked about it before on this podcast, but the ads that are projected on the glass are flat out distracting. Like mm-hmm. they actively annoy me during broadcasts. It and like, it, it just pisses me off. And then you've got ads that pop up that cover the actual screen on broadcasts. Right. And they do it a lot during TV shows as well, where they're, they're, they don't count on you sitting through the commercials. Cause you're going to watch it on your your video recording system, right? Whether you call it DVR or PVR, uh, depending on whether you're American or Canadian. So they're st- now integrating advertising into the actual show that you're watching. And half the time it covers like a full quarter of the screen or like mm-hmm. the entire bottom of the screen. And it's unbelievable how much they're willing to disgrace their own product to do that. So I think when you have something in hockey like the broadcasting of uh, putting ads on the glass, I'm not so confident that they won't do something that impacts like the viewership of the game. Uh, And maybe the old boys club that is in charge right now won't be too bad in terms of increasing advertisement. But as that old boys club transitions into a younger old boys club, you know, like things change. So it might be a slow creep for the NHL. I don't think anybody's suggesting that it's going to look like the Spangler Cup in five years, but in 50 years, probably, you know, like it, well, Andrew, in 50 years, we might not even be here so. with medical technology. We might still look like we do now, Mary. We might be able to oh. age backwards. You never know. Oh, man. Uh, good old Benjamin Button. Anyway, continue your point. I yeah, was just well, saying. Like my, my point is that I understand where the people who are very against this are coming from. And while this specific move doesn't really bother me personally, like the trend does bother me. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't like the idea of continuing to add 
tons of advertising, especially year out, like year over year. To go from helmet ads to jersey ads in one year, less than one year, is a little bit alarming to me, even if the actual ads that are being added are not that intrusive. Because then it's like, okay, next year are we going to get an ad on, you know, like one leg of the pants on the front? Wouldn't be that intrusive. It's easy to, <laughs> you know allow yourself to believe that that's going to be fine. And then the next year, oh, maybe on the other leg of the pants, or maybe then on the other shoulder, you know, like, and it's just like, how fast is this creep going to be? And even if it's not that fast, how far will it be? How far will we let it go before hockey becomes less watchable than it is now? And I think we talk a lot about like the quality of the game and ensuring like, you know, keeping scoring up and all that. But at the same time, I don't want to be distracted from the game while I'm watching either. And there are distractions already. Um, you know, when we had Jay Barishal on, uh, like, geez, it must've been two months ago now. Oh, geez. It's, it's been a while. Right. And mm -hmm. he talked about like, how ridiculous is it that hockey has, like when you go to a game and you don't notice it on the broadcast, right? Because it's just, it's been normalized that we go to commercial. But when you go to an actual hockey game and they stop and have a commercial break and all the players go over to the boards and just hang out and nothing happens, that's weird. Like when you think about it, no other sport actually does that. You uh, know, like football does. Well, but football has natural stops though, and a lot of them. Like football during sense. their broadcast, like <laughs> I remember there was an article that came out a few years ago that football games last like three hours and there's only like 12 minutes of action, yes, which is part of why I, ha I hate football. <laughs> it's just That's so understandable. Much That's understandable. But like uh, hockey just... is a very fluid game, right? It's all about mm -hmm. fast. And like we talk about like, remember when they introduced hurry up face-offs and people got to face-off violation penalties for taking too long. And yet we're like, oh, we're going to take a three minute ad break. Like it's, it doesn't I make think... any sense. Andrew, I think you fit the nail on the head in terms of capitalism. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that's what this all boils down to, and it's really funny because we will eventually have to transition into an ad of our own. So <laughs> this is true. It, it it's just it is I, not to say it is how it is, uh, and there's not going to be any changing it. But that is how the world is run. Uh, money rules the world here, unfortunately. Uh, and I get it. I get that. Uh, you know, fear that you know in fifty years we'll be looking at an NHL that is that could be very well unrecognizable. Uh, I though did think that there's a possibility here, at least in the short term, for some really funny combinations of, you know, teams and ads. Uh, I had put out, you know, the request that the Flyers uh, have Wawa as their sponsor, because, of course, but apparently, according to someone, the Devils have a partnership with Wawa, and I hate that. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. I don't, I do not like that. That that does not sit well with me as a That's Pennsylvanian. Like traitorous. I know. Um, but somebody else also put up a thing of uh, Tasty Cakes being a sponsor because that's like a local, um, like a, like, you know, they make cakes and stuff like that. Like just little, little like bakery treats is just like a brand of that. And yeah. the Flyers already have a partnership with them uh, for like when they score goals, or at least they did. Uh, so that would be a cool one. So I was just thinking of like some really, you know, funny ads like, you know, sponsors we could get just because. I don't know if you have any, you know, interesting ones that you can think of, but I just wanted to mention it because Wawa would be my dream flyer sponsor, but apparently that might not even happen, so. Yeah. I mean, I remember this Sad. conversation when the helmet ads came out, and I feel like the Montreal one is always, like, a strip club or something because <laughs> it just, like, all immediately dives into the seediest parts of the city. But 
I mean, there's always good ones. I mean, the, the issue with Canada is like every single one will be Rogers or Bell or Tim Hortons or Scotiabank. Like, <laughs> those yeah. are the companies that buy those up and that's that's just how it goes. So it doesn't end up being very interesting. But I, I'm, I'm sure there will be some that are pretty funny. Like I remember uh, when the ads for helmets came out, people were like, oh, yeah, like uh, cannabis companies for Colorado because they just legalized. Mm-hmm. So like there's always some fun stuff. But uh, I am guessing that for the NHL... It, it just won't be that fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a valid point to take. Uh, I just, there's some, like I said, there's just some really funny options out there. And I want it to be, you know, either Wawa or Tasty Cake for the Flyers. But it'll, I, I don't even remember the, the helmet sponsor they have currently. I didn't even know who they were. It was like, it was just some sort of, I don't remember like what type of company, but it was a very out of left field choice. I'm like, huh, okay, interesting. That's not who I would have thought would have sponsored it. But sure, I guess. So yeah, it, it, a lot of them I think because they're not very noticeable, and I, a lot of the helmet ads were they weren't like a logo per se, or like they were a very simplified logo. Like the Canadians is Bell, which they also play in the Bell Center. There's Bell mm-hmm. ads all over the Bell Center, so they just had Bell in like white text on the side of the helmet, and you don't even notice it, right? I yeah. think there was there's very few that were very blatant in the NHL. Oh, it's um the flyer sponsor was. TCS, which is a consultancy services. Okay. No idea. Never heard of them before. Like, uh, oh, it's a global IT service. It's, but I had never heard of it before. I was hoping that maybe they're local, but that's just something I had never, you know, that was, that was not what I was expecting. I could have been like, is Comcast going to sponsor them? Because I mean, Comcast running money runs deep in the flyer system. So like that would have just been a perfect look too but nope it wasn't what i was expecting so we're it's very possible we'll get since now we'll have seattle too which will have i'm assuming a helmet ad and then a jersey ad too like later down the line yeah but i mean we, we're we'll definitely have, gonna get some more ads that just yeah we'll have we'll have 32 different ones to choose from so i really hope that there is some funny combinations at least in the short term because you make very good points about the long-term problems that this could have and speaking of advertising we should say that the uh new edition of ea sports nhl franchise announced their cover star this year is okay. austin matthews and they've also announced that the uh, playoff mode only goes one round huh interesting i have not i haven't picked up a NHL game in a while, which is weird because I'm all about the video games, but... Uh, you missed the joke there, hey, Mary? <laughs> no. Oh, huh. That's very funny. I get it. All right. I understand now. <laughs> I, sorry. I thought you were transitioning to something about video games. I mean, you were, but I just completely missed the joke. I guess you should just go to ad break now because I don't think... <laughs> I think that... I think I just backed myself into a corner, so I should probably stop talking. So go to ad and we'll talk uh, to our interviewees when we get to them. Sorry about missing your joke, Andrew. It was perfect. Well, if you would have bet on Mary getting that joke, you would have lost. But if you wanted to bet, you can go to Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including the MLB, NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head on over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out the gr- the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first depo- deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. Welcome back to the Crosscheck NHL show. I'm here with my co-host, Mary Clark, and special guest, Robin Liano from Locked On Coyotes. How's it going, Robin? 
Uh, it's going okay. You know, I mean, this, it's, it's been an interesting off season. It's, I mean, I've been having fun digesting this all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, it's I think... also a shortened one too. So we're, yeah. we're really like, you know, it, it feels like this, the season just ended, but then also the off season stretches on forever. And then by the time we get to the end of the off season, we'll be like, why don't we have more time? It's just right back into the grind. So I get it. It's it is a it is an off season this year. It's a weird one, but we hope you're doing well. Yeah, definitely. All right. So the Coyotes have taken a different approach than most teams to this off season. I think it's fair to say. And we're we're we usually do like a general set of questions for everyone that we have on for the cross check summer crossover to preview every NHL team across the league. But before we get into the general stuff, I just wanted to ask one specific question that really only applies to the Coyotes, and it. Let's see how what your take is on this. Do you think that the Coyotes have weaponized their cap space better than the Seattle Kraken did? Uh, whew, that's actually a really good question. <laughs> I, you know, I, th- I, I think they, they, they definitely have in a way. I think especially because they look at the, the contracts that they took on and a lot of them ending in a year or two. Um, and it's just like, well, you know, <laughs> This is the if there's a time to rebuild, like from a complete ground, like ground up rebuild, like they they figured out the perfect time to do it in the middle of a flat cap, and doing the best they can with it. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the draft picks that this team accumulated over the summer, and it's the first time I've ever seen on cap friendly where they have to stack the picks in a single round. They have two first rounders next year, their own and Colorado's. They also have five second round picks in the next draft. That's absurd. That's, I don't think I've ever seen that before. And beyond that, they also have extra picks. I think conditional picks in the third round, the following two years and another pick in the second round in 2024 from the Florida Panthers. Like that's an absolute hall of futures. Yeah. And that's, that's the kind of, uh, thing that bill armstrong wanted uh stacking all those second rounders i think i think everyone started laughing at that so much they're just like it's like by this rate he's just gonna get the entire second round we're just gonna name it the bill armstrong round at this point (laughs) i mean at Uh, a certain point they might be close you know like trade i would love to see them just trade the first uh, the two first round picks and just accumulate extra picks in the second I don't, round. Just I don't like know if that would be trades. good for no, the Coyotes. If anything, they're going to use a few, a couple of their seconds to package into getting mm-hmm. an extra, like a third into the first. Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. Uh, we've talked before, though, on the show with uh, Andrew and I, we've talked before about, uh, you know, the ups and downs of the Coyotes. And I guess speaking more, not, you know, preview stuff for next season, but speaking more of just like their general plan, they really seem to be a team where a lot of teams dump their like cat problems on them and they really haven't escaped that do you do you think that's like just their plan and that's been their plan for a long time or do you see them escaping that you know that that like label i guess we put on them of being the team that teams will dump their old contracts that they don't want on other people uh, i think the different the, the difference is in 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 this case in the old in the old john shaker era when they were doing that was they were taking on contracts of like that were completely dead the, the uh, Pavel Dotsuk contract. He was completely. Out, he was. He was completely out of the out of the league. Marian Hosa contract. He was already completely out of the league. All these players. They didn't play anymore. All the contracts that they got. They still were capable, with the exception of Andrew Ladd. We still don't know about that one. But 
they're still all capable of playing at playing at a still a relatively NHL level. Uh, yeah, they're just overpaid by a lot of money, but I mean, I think that's the Coyotes play. They just want guys that can play to focus on this rebuild and then they'll get the, and they'll move on from there when they can. All right. Uh, heading into this season based compared to last season, uh, can you give us a rundown of who's in and who's out for this roster? Oh man, <laughs> it's, it's a lot. I know <laughs> it's a lot. Um, so they, uh, so they traded away all their captain, Oliver Ekman Larson and uh, Connor Garland as well. And uh, see who else is trying to think. Uh, Aiden Hill. They're one of their goaltenders out. Darcy Kemper goaltender out. And Tiranta signed off as free agent somewhere else. Uh, Michael Bunting off a free agent somewhere else. Uh, man, I'm trying to think where some of the other ones. They, they didn't really like. It's funny thing they didn't even like out of trade. Didn't even lose that many players. But in they bring in uh, Shane Gossespierre, Anton Roussel, Louis Erickson. Um, trying to think who the third one from Vancouver was. I will get that in a sec. But uh, Joseph Kajanas from the from the San Jose Sharks. Uh, they just. <laughs> <laughs> they got so many out of that. I mean, obviously, most of their acquisitions were just that, all those draft picks as we were mentioning earlier. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's a big changeover. They also brought on uh, Anton Strahlman. Uh, Jay Beagle was, I think, the one you were yeah. struggling to figure out. I'm just looking at their cat-friendly page, so I'm cheating. <laughs> but yeah, there's there's a lot of turnover here, and I'm looking at the roster, and almost everyone on the team is an unrestricted free agent next year uh, in 2022. So this is a team that is primed to completely change once again after a couple of years of kind of pushing a little bit uh, into the playoffs and trying to make the playoffs a little bit more where do you see the expectations heading into next season um this is a in a, in a way it's like as much as it's a difficulty saying this this is a team that's trying to lose mm. uh they really like obviously you see how many draft picks they're accumulating they want to go for as many good picks as they can um, obviously they're like, they're like, including getting their own first round pick to be that number one overall pick. So they can try to get Shane Wright next year. Um, who, uh, as uh, if anyone loves to talk about it, like he is like that next generational talent that everyone wants. Um, I think that's the goal right now. So like in terms of where they're going to be, they're going to, they're going to be yeah, losing a lot of games. Yeah. And we're going back to, you know, the regular divisions next year too. So, um, We've always thought that, uh, wait, the, the coyotes, the coyotes moved. Yeah. They moved. They moved they got, to a different division. They got, they got kicked out of their old division and they're, yeah, they're now in the central. Spot. Yeah. They're now in the central, which is weird to think about. Uh, I don't know if that will really impact like, um, you know, their season overall really other than I guess maybe their travel, but it's they were kind of a I lot guess, of travel. Yeah. But they were, they were kind of like the team that I guess had to move because they were the closest, uh, East. Uh, so it's just yeah, kind of one of those things. I had I I had uh, I, I had other thoughts on how, on how that all went down. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, then, spill. Tell us how. What are uh, your feelings on it? Because this is interesting. Because I did forget until we were talking about it that Arizona did have to move out of the Pacific and they're now in the Central. The, so the first the first thing I'll say is uh, you know Gary Bettman's reasoning was because the Coyotes spend half their year on the Mountain Time Zone because we don't participate in daylight savings, uh, but. At the counter argument of that is we also spend half our time zone, half our time on the Pacific time zone with California and the rest of them. Meanwhile, the two uh, 
Alberta ones are further, like, I believe they're further east than us. And I mean, I send both of them over while bringing Colorado to the Pacific. That would have been the easiest for everyone travel-wise. You'd have to do as little po- as possible, but they didn't think all that through. Yeah, I don't think anybody was really going to win here uh, in the real, like the division realignment. But it is unfortunate that the that the Coyotes uh, had to be the one to move here. But Andrew made a really interesting point going back a couple questions that the Coyotes really do have, like kind of like carte blanche, really. If they don't want to bring back a ton of these UFAs, how would you like to see this team build for the future? Would you keep a bunch of these players and sign them uh, after their UFA status, or would you just like? you know, let all the young kids and young, you know, draft picks that you're likely going to get, would you let them run the show? What did, what's your idea here? Well, uh, I think what they have in place is, I think is how they want to imagine it is because their players that they have under contract for longer than their UFAs are the players they want to keep on. Christian Dvorak is still a little bit of a question. He still might be moved before the next season starts or even during this next season. Uh, but Clayton Keller and Jacob Chikrin, the two guys are probably going to stay on very long term for the Coyotes, especially Jacob Chikrin. I think he is the face of the Coyotes, uh, from what I know, is when they were a couple weeks ago when they're going through all those trades, to my knowledge, they said that anyone's on anyone and everyone is on the table except for Jacob Chikrin. Don't touch him. So he is the one that they're gonna that they're gonna completely build the team around and then focus on all the young guys that they're developing in Tucson, who I've been watching grow and develop over the last five years as someone who lives in Tucson. And uh, that's what they're hoping for. And obviously get those these draft picks, you know, hopefully get Shane Wright or, or a Connor Bredard in 2022 or 2023 and see what goes from there. All right. Uh, heading into next season, there are some spots that are still open for the Coyotes. They only have five defensemen signed at the NHL level. Do you see anybody from their prospect group breaking in and being like a big impact player? Um, so from, from, from what I hear, and this is a, uh, I was having actually a conversation back and forth with some of my listeners on Lockdown Coyotes is, uh, and if I'm going to try to pr- uh, pronounce this guy right, but uh, Vladislav Kovinov Prov- uh, is going to be, uh, I think, uh, one of the ones they got from it was a trade. <laughs> one of the trades they got uh, from uh, whichever one I can't honestly I can't remember which one it was because obviously they did so many. Uh, but he's going to be the one that's going to come up. He's he's uh, one of the left left side defensemen that uh, that will fill up that sixth spot. Um, but other than that, like I think uh, Victor Sodostrom is going to be coming up pretty soon. I watched him in Tucson last year, and he'll eventually get up too. Very interesting. All right, Robin, uh, before we let you go and wrap up here, can you, can you uh, tell us about what you got going on? What, what are the plans for Locked On Coyotes here? So in, just over the course of the offseason, I'm just going to be running through uh, what, the, what this roster is going to look like, obviously, because as we were talking about on here, is it's, it's, there's still a lot, to, lot, to, quite, lot of question marks on it and a lot of things to really decide. Um, I'm probably going to have some fun breaking down the Tucson Roadrunners because uh, that's going to be the team to watch. If you're going to be upset about the Coyotes losing, you're going to have probably the Roadrunners are winning a lot of games because they're going to be, that's what all the development's going to be. And uh, so I'm going to do a lot of coverage on them, all the line pairings and how I think everything might play out for the Roadrunners upcoming season. Perfect. All right. All right. Thanks so much, Robin, for coming on. And uh, Thank you. we'll hopefully get you on at some point during the season as well. Absolutely. That would be fantastic. All right. Thank you.
Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. Did you know that Built Bar has many delicious flavors? There's something for everyone. If you don't know the Built Bar flavors, well, you're missing out. They've got coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, and German chocolate. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box, or if you're really adventurous, of course, where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are Built Bar flavors the best tasting, covered in chocolate, and easy to chew, but they're healthy too. They each have 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only 4 to 5 grams of, net, of sugar, and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Isn't that pretty cool? Offer, go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 at Built.com. Welcome back to the Crosscheck NHL show. We've got an exciting segment for you. Mary couldn't be with us here because she's busy doing some other stuff, but uh, I'm here with Ross Levitan and Brandon Piller from Locked On Senators. How's it going, guys? Going well. Thanks for having us, Andrew. Well, it's our pleasure. We're uh, really excited to do this project with the whole Locked On Network to get everyone in to preview their teams and promote their shows. Uh, obviously, Locked On Senators is one of the biggest shows on the network. So you guys, you know what you're doing, I think. I think you guys have something going on. But well, uh, we've got the, the goalie friendly aspect, right? How can you hate just a nice friendly goalie show, you know, but no, it's been great. We've been able to uh, create a bit of a relationship, not only with the senators uh, PR team, but with some of the prospect pipelines, like obviously Nodak has, uh, you know, four players last year. So we've been lucky enough to get some, some interviews that have really helped out the growth of the show, Jake Sanderson, Tim Stutzla. Um, and, you know, we spent almost, two, what was it, Pilsy? 170 shows between games when the pandemic hit. And then the start of the next season, hell, it's been 550 days since the Sens have played more than 56 games, whereas other teams were in the bubble and whatnot. So we had a lot of previewing for that uh, that 2020 draft where Ottawa had nine picks in the first three rounds, and we've had eight of the players on the show. So it's been kind of nice having that growth. And yeah, no, it's great to be here with you. And it's time to turn the page here in the rebuild. Sens should be at least a competitive team here, although who knows, because we haven't seen them play outside of the North Division. So that mysterious aspect is still there. But the players that they have growing in their certain roles, you're starting to see the fruits of what has been a very tough three years. Yeah, I'm sure it's been kind of a rough situation in Ottawa ever since they started disbanding the last team that was, I think everyone kind of underestimated the Ottawa Senators of, I want to say yesteryear, but it wasn't that long ago with the core led by, you know, Carlson and Stone. And you see those guys go on and be the linchpin on other teams. Uh, Mika Zibanejad, you know, all those guys have gone on to become stars everywhere else. So it's it's kind of frustrating, I'm sure, to see that. But at the same time, you got to, like, look back at those teams and be proud of uh, what they were able to do. And the fact that people never believed how good the Ottawa Senators actually were when they were legit. But before we get too dug or bogged down in the past, Let's talk about what's going on right now and heading into next season for the Senators. Who's in and who's out based on last season? Not a whole lot's changed since they went 10-3-1 after the trade deadline. They were the second hottest team in hockey uh, following April 12th. And that's when they really shipped off all the spare parts. Your Erica Branson's, your Braden Coburn's, they're out the door. It opened a spot in the lineup for a couple smaller defensemen that really made their impact. Eric Brandstrom, you mentioned Mark Stone. People are looking at Brandstrom, the franchise, as he's referred to in the locker room. So, you know, the players think he's got the talent and he's 
finally getting that opportunity as a top four guy. And then Shabbat went down for the final four games. He was playing top pair of minutes, really showed he could handle that. Victor Mete comes in off of waivers. He shows that he can be a top six contributor on the back end. And then up front, those Nodak sends, they bring two of them in. Uh, JBD got a couple of games on the back end, although I think he's going to start in the AHL, whereas Shane Pinto, like this kid has just had such a rise to prominence, only started playing competitive hockey at age 16. He was a baseball guy younger than that. The Sens go off the board, as we know they do in the NHL draft. They took him with the second pick in the first round in 2019. And then what's he do? Gets nominated for the Hobie Baker a year and a half later, comes into the NHL and gets seven points in 12 games, centering a line with Tim Stutzel and Connor Brown. So already playing top six minutes. That was the main question going into this offseason. To get back to your question, who are the additions? It seemed like Who's the center they're going to go out and get? A legit guy. They've been connected with Christian Dvorak, with Ryan Strom. Hell, Dylan Strom's name has even come into the rumor mills right now. But if you're a Sens fan, I think at this point, you've seen the the growth in some of the prospects, most notably Josh Norris, who won AHL Rookie of the Year. Then he comes in. He's a top-line guy right away. So if Shane Pinto can follow that same trajectory, I think that most Sens fans would be comfortable without really adding that piece and having to give up assets. If they had gone out and gotten a veteran guy, David Krejci was a name I really liked. Obviously, he decided to go to the Czech Republic. And there's a couple other names out there. And I know we kind of stirred the pot a little bit by saying, bring G home, get Claude Giroux out of that tire fire in, in Philadelphia and bring him back to his hometown. I think that would have been great, but they decided to stay the course at least so far. And I think the Sens fans are all right with it, Pilsy. Like, who, who did they add that's going to play NHL minutes? I don't think anyone guaranteed. Well, I mean, the only additions they made to the NHL roster on the back end, they added Michael Delzato, signed him to a two-year deal, $2 million deal. And then the other addition came with a subtraction. They traded Evgeny Dadanov, who had a tough time fitting into this Ottawa Senators oh, team last season. The power this- kill. Just, yeah, honestly, just things didn't work out for him, unfortunately. So the Senators, they decided to move on. Really, their goal was to trade him without retaining any salary, which they were able to do. They traded him to Vegas for Nick Holden and a third-round pick. So no salary retained. And they get a veteran defenseman in return. And then other than that, we're not looking at too many other changes here. We're we're anticipating, or at least I am, that kind of Pierre Dorian is going to wait till the free agents that are left are a little bit more desperate and will sign a low-risk one-year deal and they can get a, a veteran guy up front for cheap. But other than that, I would say the back end is probably set. We're maybe looking at another centerman coming in, whether whether it's through trade or a signing. And maybe I anticipate they'll sign one more veteran forward. But other than that, this is going to be a very similar team, like Ross said, to the Senators team we saw at the end of last season. Which is interesting, I think, because you, you look at the Ottawa Senators and what they were able to do last year. You, you kind of expect that teams that have that big jump at the end of the year, especially a young team, they will kind of buy in a little bit and maybe you make some mistakes in free agency, right? Whereas the Senators have kind of stayed the course and th- thought, okay, our young guys are going to carry us through this. It's interesting to see if that experiment is going to pay off right away. I think, you know, they're under the cap floor right now, but they still have to sign Brady Kachuk, which is going to probably take them right to the cap floor. But the Senators also operate with an inter- internal cap. So do you expect they have the ability to add another big contract or is it just kind of get Kachuk and Batherson signed and then maybe there's going to be something added along the season or, like you said, a veteran uh, unrestricted free agent to bolster the team. Or do you think this team has the ability to play around a little bit, maybe during the season to make a big trade? Well, right now, their highest paid forward is making 4.75. 
And that is uncanny around the National Hockey League. And that's Colin White, a 24-year-old who ah, struggled last year. He's had a couple injuries. And, you know, he was billed as that defensive center who can contribute offensively, point-per-game player through college, Warren A at the World Juniors. And it's just been a slower development curve, whereas other guys in the organization, I already referenced Josh Norris, have just had this huge rise to prominence. Where it comes to money, I'm glad you mentioned Drake Batherson. His you know, projection has just gotten better and better. And Pilsy and I spent two seasons working in the production team for the Belleville Senders. We got firsthand experience watching this kid tear up the AHL. He was by far, he would have won AHL MVP if he didn't get 30 games in the NHL. I think he had 60 points in 50 games. He was an absolute unit on, on the wing. And he's just a power forward who can score. And if you're a Sens fan, I think the the, the problem recently has been getting guys to commit long-term. He's a guy who fans want him locked up. Like if they went a little high on the AAV and could get seven or eight years out of a guy like Batherson, like that you look at the Alex Tuck deal and maybe you'd have to pay a little bit more than the 4.75 that he got over six years term in Vegas. But he's a guy who I think just him and Brady, you're going to be over the floor. So that's not an issue. And then you look after next year, there's more guys that you're going to have to figure out. Josh Norris, if he plays top line center again, two years in a row and contributes at both ends of the ice, he's due for a big raise. Eric Brandstrom, if he's stepped up, he's going to be looking at a bit more um, to do with his cash. So I think they want to keep some flexibility internally. And then you have Stutzla the year after, and Jake Sanderson's probably going to sign at the end of next year. And then that way he only has two years of his entry level. So I think it might be a mistake to, to go out there and try to bolster this right now. I already mentioned Claude Giroux. He's a free agent after next year. And there's a few other veteran centermen who I think after next year, you'll have a much better idea of where you're at as an organization. And they've had so many picks, like 10 picks in 2020, another seven this year. At that point, you're going to have to make a trade where it's quantity for quality. So the team has to see what they have in these players. Now was a COVID shortened season sample size enough to know what you have in these players? Probably not. So I actually really respect Pierre Dorian's ability here to not make a panic move, knowing he's going into the final year of his contract. Although there is a team option, they brought in Pierre Maguire, a guy with a ton of experience around the national hockey league. You might think a GM would be looking over his shoulder and saying, I need this to be a playoff team right now at all costs to keep my job. But sometimes the best moves are the one you don't make. And I saw a lot of contracts that are going to be regrettable. And we see that every year in free agency. So this is a team that will likely bolster its lineup through trades rather than free agency. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. And I think you brought up something really interesting with Drake Batherson. And I think that this kind of leads into something that I think the Ottawa Senators have proven they're not afraid of, For uh, first of all, with Thomas Shabbat. But also, Pierre Maguire is a guy that when he likes someone, he goes all in right away. Right. And I think that as much as I think there's a lot of things to criticize Pierre Maguire about in terms of his analysis, especially uh, his refusal to even begin to understand analytics, for example. But he does have something in him that I think can be very beneficial to the senators long term. And you see a lot of teams around the league. Where they have a young player who's very promising and they go bridge deal. And it sounds good short term and it saves you cap short term. But then when they really impress on that bridge deal, you get hit with a higher cap. And then you have to go long-term with that higher cap with Drake Batherson. You have the opportunity to go long, long-term when they don't have the ability to negotiate a really large cap hit. I mean, like Thomas Shabbat, if they were to bridge him and say it would have expired after next season, what is he going to get on the open market? You know what well, I mean? We're seeing like, nine, right? Yeah, All over the place. And nine is probably the minimum for a guy his age. Nine is what you're getting when you're like 28. 
Yeah. You know, and then you're open to offer sheets. It's all sorts of complications. So the Thomas Shabbat contract might have looked a little bit rich for like the first couple of years, but I think by the midpoint of his career, it's going to look phenomenal. And this is something that I've been kind of pushing for, uh, for example, the Montreal Canadiens to do with Nick Suzuki and just Barry Kokaniemi, two guys who were on the edge of breaking. Well, I'd say Suzuki's already broken out, but Kokaniemi is still on the edge, right? Go long-term with those guys. It's going to be a lot smarter to do that now than waiting, especially in the flat cap era uh, of these next couple of years. I think the auto centers have a real opportunity here to do that with a lot of their young players and kind of keep this core together for a big competitive window. Oh yeah, absolutely. And if you're talking about Drake Batherson, something that we talked about on the show, like it's, it would be a beneficial agreement for the Ottawa centers and Drake Batherson to sign long-term. Like if, if you're Batherson, you've got to be sitting there thinking this is the best spot for me right now, probably league wide. I'm playing on a top line with a franchise player in Brady Kachuk. Then my centerman is a young uh, centerman in Josh Norris, who I had amazing chemistry with in Belleville. Now we're a top line in the NHL. And then let's say, for some reason, Batherson gets bumped down the line. All right, we saw he had amazing chemistry with another franchise player yeah. in Tim Stutzla. So there's just so many options for this kid to be set up to succeed. If I was Drake Batherson and uh, in his camp, I would be saying, you know what? If we have to give a little and maybe not get the annual average value that we think we can get, after a bridge deal or in the free market eventually, I'd be willing to give a little bit of that up knowing that you're going to be a big part of this team and this culture moving up. And no matter where you're slated in this lineup, you're going to have a chance to succeed and play some good hockey. So I really think there's a good chance that Drake Batherson signs a long-term deal. Is that what's going to happen? It's tough to say because I think it's all going to stem from what happens with Brady Kachuk. Like you said with Thomas Shabbat, you start there and you start seeing the value there. I think the same thing's going to happen with Brady. He's going to get his contract and then the Senators are going to say, all right, here's where Brady is. Drake, here's where you are. That's the window we're negotiating in. So it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. And then Stutzla being the third overall pick probably comes up as long as he continues his development as he has throughout this uh, this first season. And it was a weird season for him, right? He, he broke his wrist right after he got drafted, just training in Mannheim with his former DEL teammates. Then he his first time back on the ice, we had him on the show in November, and he was just like, I think I'll play in World Juniors. I hope I'm ready. And then he goes out there and on a German team that needed all the help they could get. He was the one standout for them. Then he comes right from Edmonton, his first time in Canada. He goes from Edmonton to Ottawa and he's right in the NHL, scores in his second game. And then he had a lull in the middle of the season. There's no question about that. But once Pinto came in, which is funny to say, a 20-year-old out of college comes in, but really stabilized that line. And it helped too that, like, can we talk about Connor Brown for a second? This guy, and you saw it last year that he was getting so many chances. Him and Nick Paul might be the best PK duo offensively. Like they create more chances than they give up when they're shorthanded. But Connor Brown, he had what we call Mike Fisher syndrome, high and wide every time he got a shot and it would miss the net. But then the second season or second half of the season sets a franchise record with an eight game goal streak. And that was helped out by Tim Stutzla on the playmaking aspect. And then Timmy Superstar gets a hat trick in the third last game of the season against the Jets. So you're seeing so much growth from these players, but to get back to Drake Batherson and yeah, that right side's a bit, a bit thinner now, right? Evgeny Dadnov was brought in to be a top six guy there. Couldn't, couldn't produce one power play point, Andrew, one power play point in 212 minutes. That's absurd. <laughs> That's absolutely absurd. So to That's get out of the second and third year of his contract, where he, he only got paid $3.5 million last year, 
5 million this year, 6.5 million next year. If he kills it in Vegas, good for him. It wasn't going to work out in Ottawa. DJ Smith wants his players to play with pace, pace, pace. That's why he didn't fit in. That's why Chris Tierney's on his way out, although he has one year left in his contract. He was a healthy scratch in the final game of last season. And that tells you where he stands with the coaching staff. I think, honestly, the biggest move that they did this offseason was extend DJ Smith. The guys want to play for him. That is abundantly clear. All right. Well, before I let you guys go, just super quick, as, as quick as you can, this division that you guys are in is extremely tough. Uh, I think, you know, the Montreal Canadiens, the Buffalo, or not sorry, the Buffalo Sabres have always taken hits, but the Boston Bruins have taken hits to their rosters. They might not be as good next year, but you've still got Tampa Bay, Florida, and Toronto to contend with. What are the expectations for the Ottawa Senators next year? Well, Toronto never seems to be a problem, no matter how good they are. I feel like Ottawa always plays in the playoffs or not. Yeah, well, no, against Ottawa, they can't get anything going. You go back to Matthew's four-goal game, ends in a loss. Not Nobody mentions that. But, hey, even last year, Ottawa, I think they had a winning record against Toronto, Montreal. The, the teams Evgeny were... Dadnov game, it was 5-1. We all know how that played out. Yeah, yeah then it was 5-2, then 5-3, then 5-4, 5-5, and then how are you? See you later. So, no, with the Leafs, it's uh, it's never an issue. But, hey, the Tampa, they're still the class of the division, back-to-back champs. Talk about an understatement there. But I think that they're going to be a pain in the ass to play against, and they're going to be a fun team to watch just based on the style that DJ Smith plays. They have what we call a ton of shift disturbers, like Parker Kelly's on his way up. Alex Formanton, maybe the fastest guy outside of Connor McDavid in the league, doesn't have the same skills, of course, but just pure speed, and he's going to piss everybody off. Brady Kachuk, we know what he brings to the table. So they're not going to be an easy game. Let's put it that way, and we'll see where the chips fall. If it's one more year of a decent draft pick, Ottawa loaded up. They've got two seconds, two thirds going into next draft as well. And then you hit the ground running unparalleled success as the owner would say, maybe a year later, but the pieces are there for sure. And if nothing else, Andrew, they are going to be a very exciting team to watch. Excellent. Thanks so much, guys. I know we went a bit long here, but it was really fun to chat with you guys. Absolutely. Pleasure having you. It's been awesome seeing the growth of uh, your show. What mid forties episode wise in. So we're looking forward to seeing you guys take a big leap next year and let's get this locked on network buzzing absolutely everybody go check out locked on senators everywhere you can get your podcasts check these guys out and youtube (laughs) and youtube there we go all right thanks for coming on guys we'll try to get you on the show again once sometime during the season this episode is brought to you by rock auto with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need in enough brands to give you an the ability to price compare and figure out what's best here for your vehicle. Why wait for the person behind the count for the person behind the counter to make orders on their computer when you can go straight to rockauto.com and browse their unique catalog on your own. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50 and even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? rockauto.com is also a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Their prices are reliably low and the same for both professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. You don't have to pay the markup that you would at a dealership or a parts store. They have everything you could ever need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today and find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts that your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. All right, Mary. So it's time for our pop culture roulette segment. We had some good interviews with Robin and Ross and Brandon. 
And uh, I'm excited about how well we've been doing with this Crosscheck Summer Crossover. I think it's really cool that by the end of it, somebody is going to be able to subscribe to the Crosscheck NHL show and get a preview for every single team in the whole league. But beyond that, we got to talk about stuff that we're doing right now and how much fun we're having outside of hockey. <laughs> yep, exactly. So I have something in the dock. Did you or do you want me to go first? Uh, you can go first. All right. Well, my thing is... Uh, on Wednesday, uh, Nintendo gave us a better look at the Pokemon Diamond and Pearl remakes, um, which I'm actually very excited for. I know that at first when they announced some people weren't really a fan of the art style, uh, but I was like, I'm going to give it a chance. It looks like it can have some potential. And the trailer they showed yesterday was actually really cool. Uh, they showed off some new features, like some iconic uh, like places from the games. Um, and they brought back one of my favorite things they brought back is they brought back Pokemon will follow you in the overworld again. They had that in my favorite games, uh, heart gold and soul silver, and they hardly ever implemented it again. So I'm glad that they're redoing the, the, you're like Pokemon will follow you in the overworld. I thought that was really cool. They're bringing back like things like the underground from that game, which is just like, a. um, uh, had like mini games and you know can mine for like items you can sell or use and it just they look really like really faithful adaptations and I'm looking forward to playing them again playing them in November because I have memories of playing the original games Diamond and Pearl as a kid uh so it's uh, this is one of those ones where like I'm actually like excited for uh I know a cash grab when I see it but I am really looking forward to playing these and that actually looks better than I thought. And it's nice to be excited about Pokemon too, because uh, I enjoyed Pokemon sword when I played it, but like it didn't have like all the things I wanted out of Pokemon. So it's really cool that they're, you know, remaking an old game that I really enjoyed growing up. So hopefully it still has that same feel for me. And then they have a new Pokemon game, like an open world game uh, called Legends Arceus, and that seems cool, and that's coming out in 2022, and everything, you know, talked about it right now seems like, you know, open world catching Pokemon, kind of Breath of the Wild style, and that really intrigues me too, but I'm really looking forward to the, you know, these remakes coming out in November, because I had a really good time with them as a kid, and it'll be nice to, you know, play Pokemon with fresh eyes again as an adult. Yeah, I'm always all in on Pokemon. I I love Pokemon something i grew up with i grew up of course with like red and blue like yellow. i did okay i did too but i have more i have i my first pokemon game was it was yellow and then i played gold yeah uh, so you're like the generation after me yeah so it, i did grow up with those but i have like very distinct memories of playing the ds games uh and i'll still go back to them occasionally because i still i still have them and i have a like a working DS too. So like I will go back to those games and enjoy them. But yeah, it is. It, I love the older generation of games though. Like those Pokemon games are really good. There's something classic about them, you know, they're nostalgic. It's, it's fun. I feel like also like the original games were so buggy that you could do so much weird stuff with them, mm-hmm. which is also fun. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all in on Pokemon. It's, a, it's such a great game, such a great uh, franchise, and my kids also love it, which is huge. I actually found my old Nintendo DS Lite in oh, my yeah. like spare electronics box, and I'm like, okay, the kids are going to get to play with this. But I can't figure out how to connect it to the internet, because apparently you can download games on it, but it just on won't the go. ds light yeah interesting i didn't it think you could you well maybe you can't and the internet there might be there might be like online functionality like where you can like chat with other people but i don't yeah. know if you could download games on that because that's like i'm pretty sure i had it's like just like a rectangle right yeah it, it's, it's a rectangle a... no no no. it's a rectangle that opens up like the yeah. 3ds but uh yeah it it has a, a thing on it that says like uh 
play download or download hmm. play. But when you click it, it's just like searching for a software update. Maybe, and it just never does anything. Maybe Nintendo like killed those services. Because I'm pretty it sure I be. had a DS Lite back in the day. And I probably either sold it or threw it away. Because uh, I, I have a 3DS XL or whatever. But just basically like a, it's like a 2DS. Uh, it's the same thing, just one of the you know more modern ones. Because I bought it because I wanted to play Pokemon games. Or at least my old Pokemon games. Because my poor old DS was dying. But I'm pretty sure Nintendo probably killed that online functionality a while ago. Just because... God, those consoles were those like those handhelds were old. Yeah. Oh boy, were they old. I remember playing like Mario Kart on those, like with my friends, like um during like theater practice and stuff like that. Oh man, those are those were the days. Those really were the days. I mean, the first Game Boy I ever had was a classic Game Boy with no ah, color, right? Okay. I had like, a Game Boy color. So. Yeah, my, my younger brother had like got a Game Boy color that had like the translucent uh, case so you could see all the I miss that. I miss that style. It. Bring that. Bring that translucent purple stuff <laughs> back. We really need to bring that back into our culture. I yeah, think. like the old IMAX and stuff like that. Yeah, please, please. Everything What's was translucent, colored stuff for a while. But yeah, yeah I, I'm excited about uh, about that kind of stuff. Um, for me, the thing that I've been doing, I watched the latest episode of What If yesterday on oh, uh, yeah. Disney Plus. I heard about that. I didn't get to watch it, but I I know who it's about. And yeah, it, this is What If T'Challa was Star Lord. Very, very good. Uh, I think a much better episode than the first episode, which was still good, but it felt like it was on fast forward the whole time. It was kind of retelling the story of like First Avenger, but from Peggy Carter's point of view as Captain Carter instead. Um, This one was very much a unique story that began the same way as the first Guardians movie, but diverged very dramatically and didn't feel as rushed. So this was a, a really good episode for me. It just at the end of it, it I just really miss Chadwick Boseman. <laughs> it yeah. just it every once in a while I remember that he's gone. And I'm like, man, yeah. I, it's hard to believe that that actually happened. He was so young, and it seemed mm-hmm. like just on the verge of really becoming a tour de force actor, who you know was going to be like the next generation of hyper respected people, right? And uh, unfortunately, taken from us too soon. Yeah. Yeah, it it really does hit you sometimes that, you know, he's gone. And it was, I mean, it, any death is tragic, but it happened in such a way that it just came out of nowhere, which makes it even more so. But uh, I've heard really good things about that episode because he lends his voice. Uh, I think it's like his last role. I would assume at least last role in the MCU for sure. Yeah, he's so. credited in four episodes of this season of What If? So this episode isn't the last thing that he did, but this like this series was the last thing that he did. Okay, which so is, yeah, heavy. Yeah, that is yeah that uh, that is definitely you know I'm definitely gonna have to watch it because I you know I want to you know pay my respects to all that and everything and. It's good to know that, you know, the episode, though, holds up because that really does intrigue me. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really good. And uh, other than that, um, not much going on over in this house. We started <laughs> watching uh, Killing Eve, which is pretty ooh, decent. Ooh, ooh, I've watched that. That's really good. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's well, I don't know if it's like really good, but it is it is funny. And um, I don't it's know. It's intriguing. Like it. Yeah. Yeah. There's but, some like uh, interesting humor moments, interesting I don't know. Uh it not to say that it reminds me of an old show, Orphan Black, that I used to watch, which was a Canadian show. As yes, you Orphan may Black's or may really know. Good. Yes, it is really good. Tatiana Maslany is an incredible actress. Uh yes, but it, she is. it's got similar vibes in that vein. Um, but I really did enjoy it. I don't know when I think there's like one more season coming out, I think. 
but I really did enjoy it. Uh, the performances in that show are really good. Yeah, so. they are. Um, I find the filming style a little bit distracting. It's like very much like a almost like a daytime British TV show. Yeah, the, it has the that film vibe. And the cuts, but at the yeah. same time, like, I'm. It's easy for me to look past it. Like, if you go and watch like Oz when it like when it first came out the filming style is awful it's like all over the place weird zooms and pans and it was like hbo's first attempt at an hour-long drama right so like things get figured out but uh yeah i'm we're enjoying it we're in the first season it's uh it's fun yeah yeah i think that's what you can say about it fun and intriguing and goes some wild places yes. so all right all right, yeah. but I think that's probably all we have for you today on the Crosscheck NHL show. We're going to be back with you next week where we're going to interview some more people from across the Locked On Network to preview every team in the entire NHL over the Crosscheck Summer Crossover. But before we let you go, we got to tell you about Locked On Bets. Betting on the NHL doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.